is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. Welcome. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for August 21st, 2023. I'm Tim Kirkjian. I am replacing Buster Olney today. Um, I am famous for making overnight ridiculous drives, but because that's what I do. But Buster has me beaten badly on this one. Today, he is starting a 35-hour drive from Williamsport, Pennsylvania to Bozeman, Montana. He has his dog, Quinny, in the car with him. He's got two stops planned along the way. One of them is in Des Moines, Iowa. This is so classic Buster to try something like this. We just wish him well on his drive. On this date in baseball history in 1931, Babe Ruth hit his 600th home run. 1975, Rick and Paul Russell combined on a shutout. First time ever that siblings combined on a shutout. They beat the Dodgers that day six to nothing. On this date in 1977, Brooks Robinson voluntarily retired, ending his 23-year career. I could tell you a million Brooks Robinson stories. Let's suffice it to say, he is the nicest baseball player I have ever met, and I believe the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. A few birthdays today, Felix Mian turns 80. He choked up on a bat more than any player I've ever seen. I grew up watching him. Uh, Christian Vasquez turns 33 today. And Corbin Carroll, that brilliant young player for the Diamondbacks, turns 23 today. And for the news and notes for the weekend, the Mariners swept the Astros. Uh, Julio Rodriguez had a weekend to remember. At one point, he was 17 for 22. We'll have Sarah Langs on uh, later today to explain just what that week was like for Julio Rodriguez. The first pitch swung on and a fly ball deep right field going back McCormick off his glove and it bounces up against the wall Julio to second the long throw by McCormick and Julio Rodriguez continues his hot hitting. It was not a good weekend for the Astros and here's Astros manager Dusty Baker speaking after Sunday's loss. It doesn't feel good um, but um, you know they were playing. They were playing good ball, and they got everything that they needed. You know the whole weekend. You know homers, two out, hits. Um, you know they out hit us. We knew they were hot coming in here. We didn't play especially well. Played well enough probably to win the game today. Uh, the deficit was a little big, but we still had opportunities. All right, the Orioles swept the A's. Gunnar Henderson yesterday had four extra base hits. The youngest, second youngest Oriole ever to have four extra base hits in a game behind only Cal Ripken. The 2-1 pitch crushed. Right field. Brown's going to watch this one fly a long way into the upper deck and right. Gunnar Henderson pulverized that ball off of Medina and a two-run shot gives the Orioles two more runs. They have a 5-1 lead in the second inning, and Gunnar Henderson, 438 feet for his 20th long ball. Keep in mind, the Orioles have not been swept in a series since Adley Rutschman joined the team. What an amazing streak that is. The Brewers swept the Rangers, and the Brewers add to their lead in the NL Central. As Taylor goes down the right field line, this is slicing, it is down fair. Into the corner it goes. They wind him up. Caratini's in, Terang is in, and it's a triple for Tyrone Taylor. Max Scherzer of the Rangers did pass Phil Necro into 11th place on the all-time strikeout list yesterday. The um, Yankees lost uh, their eighth game in a row, the first time since 1995 that the Yankees had lost eight in a row. And I'm sorry, but it looks like they're heading not only for a last place finish, but for their first under 500 season since 1992. That's a 30-year stretch. It's the second longest stretch of all time being above 500. Only the Yankees from 1926 to 1964, 39 straight years have had a longer such streak. High fly ball. 
Deep right center going back. Duvall, he has room. He makes the play. And the Yankees lose the game 6-5. And they lose for the eighth straight time. Their longest losing streak since 1995. And this one stings because they battled, they fought back, but they couldn't get the big hit. The Yankees are in big trouble. And this is Aaron Boone who was asked after Sunday's game if his team still had a chance to make the playoffs. You always got a chance. We're in a big hole, though, you know, so, you know, but you can't even get big picture about it. You just got to tackle the next day. I mean, that's what we're in right now where we're, you know, really scuffling and played a tight ball game today where guys did some good things to got some big hits. It's one step at a time. Like that's that's so far out there and we got to go on a run, you know, that it's get ready for Tuesday. The Blue Jays beat the Reds yesterday. Hinjin Ryu, another good start. Zero earned runs in his last 14 innings, covering three starts. Hunter Green of the Reds gave up five homers yesterday. We'll see where those two teams head towards the playoff race. 2-1 is slammed to right field. Fairchild at the wall, and it's off the top of the wall, and it bounces back into the ballpark. Belt heading to second. They'll say it's a home run. Two-run shot for Brandon Belt. And finally, last night in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where I am this morning, uh, the Nationals beat the Phillies 4-3 to three at historic Bowman Field. If you've never been to Williamsport, you really need to go. If you've never been to a Little League Classic, trust me, I've been to all of them. It is a fascinating night where basically the only people in the stands are the kids, are the Little League kids. It's a magical night in Williamsport, and the Nationals beat the Phillies 4-3. to three. The 2-2, swing and a drive out toward deep right center field. Way back, gone, home run, Cave. Right center, Jake Cave, is fifth of the year, and it's a one-run ball game for three Nationals. And we will have Carl Ravich on. He, of course, is the voice of Little League Baseball for ESPN. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All aboard. It's the Rabbit Train with Carl Rabbit On Baseball Tonight. And it really was a revy train yesterday. Carl Ravitch, my best friend at ESPN, did two Little League games yesterday and the Major League game at night. Ravi, how are you still awake this morning? Oh, I, I, well, that I called a Korean game overnight. You didn't hear that one, but it was great. I mean, that uh, look, it's better than being a train wreck. Now, look, I, I get excited. This is that, That's sort of a hump day Sunday when you get to do the two Little League games. You know you have the major league game. 
you're just like me. You would have done the same thing if you uh, if you had the opportunity. It's, it's a it's a great day. You know, when I look back on it, there were some highlights to it. One of which was uh, you know when Bryce Harper and Turner and Schwarber were on the sideline uh, of all the fans from Media Pennsylvania, and and it's such a it's such a a guy thing. But I don't think you can just limit it to a guy thing anymore. But their ability to walk into that stadium and immediately become like instant fans and instantly into a game. They were cheering so hard for the uh, Little League team from just outside of Philadelphia. It felt like you were watching a group of your own friends who you could walk up on a, uh, you know, on a pickleball game, on a pickup softball game, and immediately you're like rooting for a team. And that is exactly what happened. And when you see grown men who have played in World Series Getting all excited about twelve-year-olds playing in Williamsport, you realize that you know you're not wrong about knowing that this is such a cool event, such a great event. That was incredible, and so was Harper's uh, kind of acknowledgement that this is a really hard life we all have. We're we're away from our children, and when he talked about uh, Crew Aaron, his uh, son, and Brooklyn, his daughter, uh, he he started to to tear up and got very emotional about it, and it humanized. Um, a lot of these guys, and Harper in particular, who, you know, not everybody gets a chance to see that side of it. In fact, very few people do. So it was a really cool day, like like they always are. And the fact that the sun was shining made it so much better. Right. The engagement between the kids and the players are, is just the best part. I was on the Nationals bus yesterday morning coming in with six different Washington <laughs> Nationals and a bunch of kids. And there's Dom Smith who's absolutely priceless. He's in the back and he's trading Instagram accounts with the kids from Australia. And I don't even know how to use Instagram, but here is Dom Smith and he's got all these Australian kids around. It was, it was just tremendous. So Randy, big picture, you've been doing this for 25 years in Williamsport. Um, and yet you've never lost your enthusiasm for this. Is it just because every year is different and every year it's a different face like Bryce Harper coming in to celebrate this? Yeah, I mean, with regards to the entire event, it's almost like I can understand being a professor at college or a teacher. You know, the class is always turning over. So there's always new kids who are experiencing it for the first time. There's always people that come to the World Series for the first time. Um, and I think the beauty of it for me is every time you come here, it feels like the first time. Um, we, we joke all the time about how, well, it never gets old and it just gets better. The, the truth is it never gets old um, and it does get better and it gets bigger. Um, and some of that has to do with the major leaguers being here and next year will be incredible with Yankees and Tigers, it, it lends, it, it, look, the Yankees being involved lends a little more credibility to the whole concept. They haven't been here yet, so that's going to be neat. But no, I, I, I get such a, a, a recharge from watching the enthusiasm of the kids. And it sounds cliche, but we say it about the players. To me, when Philadelphia shows up yesterday, Tim, and Washington shows up, you're going into an environment in which you are welcomed. There's nobody booing. There's very few people who are going to tweet that you suck after the game. It doesn't happen. So these players come, and the red carpet's rolled out, and, and they're having these little kids look up to them, both literally and, and figuratively, like, oh, my God. Like, they don't care that Kyle Schwarber was in a one-for-six slump. They, they don't care that Trey Turner struggled a little bit. They, they worship these guys. So it's so refreshing and invigorating for them and a reminder well, that's right. This is why we started to play this game. Then we got into huge contracts. Then we got into social media. Then we got into getting hammered by our fan base if we don't have a, a good week. That that all goes away. It, it's, ju it's just one of those feel-good, can't-be-true 1950 stuff that exists in 2023, and we all, we all need it. And, and I plug back in every time I come here. Right, Abby, I asked Kyle Schwarber in an interview yesterday if he'd gone down the hill, because he's been here twice now. And he, he laughed and he said, no, I haven't been down the hill. He said, at my size, I might not be able to stop if I go down the hill. <laughs> it was priceless. But my takeaway from the last few days is my son, Jeff, who, who yeah. loves Ravi, as we know, he came here for the first time 
he's 30 years old and yep. it was he was absolutely dazzled because like me he's watching it on tv for years and now he showed up and he just wrote me he just wrote me one line incredible about his first look at the stadium and his father-in-law alex was here alex is from has mexican blood and he went and watched team mexico play and to me that's another reason why the little league world series is so great most of the people in the crowd are not there because they have a son playing in this they're just there because they love baseball and they're there to support their country i ran into these five knucklehead guys the other day all about 35 years old they've been coming here for 15 years as adults just to watch little league baseball and that's that's what makes the whole crowd thing so good is mostly there are baseball fans here and that's what makes it so good and for you and for all baseball fans i mean the secret sauce in 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 the event is the scheduling you know you you don't have one game a day Uh, partly this works in omaha with the college world series there are two games every day you come to williamsport to watch baseball, you have four games to watch for the majority of the time here. And as you know, you go from one field to the other, you get a chance to see how kids from Japan and Chinese Taipei play the game. Um, you don't see that anywhere else. You're never going to go see an entire team of Japanese players or kids from Mexico. Um, you get a chance to watch California kids. But the point is, um, it's not paying to go watch Mission Impossible. And when the movie ends, you go home and you talk about it. Here you go from one ballpark to the other, back to the other night game. So there are there are four games, and that's a huge deal. Because if you are going to make a trip to Williamsport, you want to see baseball, and you want to see a lot of baseball. And I've never heard anybody, and you know, and I'm, I'm sure you, you probably have a story about Terry Francona coming to the Little League World Series and, and what his reaction was and how he described it. Um, that's how everybody looks at it. They don't necessarily describe it the same way, but there's not a guy, Davey Martinez yesterday, never been here. What do you think? The same adjectives, incredible, amazing. Fields are unbelievably green. Like there's a color green. I think everybody that goes to a, a major league game for the first time, and certainly in my case, when I walked into Fenway Park as a kid, green monster, players, fans, it's the, it's the color and it's the green field like I've never seen grass that color, and that's the case here too. You are uh, you're just blown away that, that so much attention is paid to a field that's being played on by by twelve year olds. Like how, why and how is so much attention being paid? And it's been that way for seventy six years now. Right, and the Tito Francona story, of course, is he came to work with us for one year, and it was such a blast. And I know I've told you this, Ravi, but I've never Tito, heard this one. What's no. which one is this? <laughs> Tito did tell me that when he signed his contract with ESPN, the only reason, the final thing was, if I'm going to come to ESPN, I have to cover the Little League World Series in Williamsport. That was on in his contract. Otherwise, he wasn't coming to ESPN, and he famously said. He said, uh, Williamsport is where baseball meets the county fair, and it's the most perfect description of this place of all. So, Ravi, uh, on the field, what what has been your takeaway from what you've seen in the games? We've seen dominant pitching. We've seen some great defense. What have you taken away so far from what you've seen? Uh, Well, I've seen all the United States teams. We've seen a California team once. Today, the uh, teams that won are back on the field. So California's back on the field. Um, Nolensville, Tennessee with Stella Weaver. Stella and the Fellers are back on the field. Team from Seattle, Washington. Uh, So we've seen, I've seen them once. Um, You know, and Hawaii was so dominant last year in a lot of ways. uh, They destroyed the competition in the Little League World Series. They, They just beat everybody. And it wasn't one of these events where you, <coughs> excuse me, didn't know what the outcome was going to be. We all knew Hawaii was going to win it. I'll be interested to see this California team and if they're in that same class and if they can render everybody else sort of second-class citizens. If not, it's a wide-open United States Little League World Series. It's way better um, on, a, on a literal level. I think the pitching is a little deeper. I don't think it's as overpowering as it's been with – you know, kids that throw 80, 80, 78 miles an hour, there's not a lot of that. And that makes for better baseball. It makes for better uh, 
better, more exciting games where the ball is put in play. They tend to throw a lot more strikes, which is great. We always see great defense, and we're we're seeing that again. You know, and just back to that question you asked about uh, why it never gets old. This this is a bucket list item for a lot of people, and I think when you put something on your bucket list, you you run the risk of being disappointed if it doesn't meet the expectations because the bucket lists are usually not very long for people. And if it's on your bucket list and you go, I don't know anyone who has ever left and said, "Mm, that that didn't live up to what I thought it would. It always does. It never fails. Television does a great job of, of glorifying and magnifying what it looks like, but it still doesn't do it justice. And that's, that's a recurring theme. So when it's on bucket lists and it meets or exceeds expectations, everybody goes home and shares that with other people. And now with the ability to communicate to people across, you know, the country with your friends, yes, I went, it was that good. Well, now we're going to go next year. Um, and the quality of play is always good, Tim. Uh, you know, we are spoiled because when you get to the world series, all of these teams have proven that they are excellent baseball teams. So the quality of play is excellent. And that that's, you know, at its core, the biggest difference between Little League Baseball and a Little League World Series, we've all been to Little League Baseball games, and not all of them are played very well. Not all of them are crisp or clean or don't have 30 walks and seven errors. You don't get that here. And there's no question We can't deny the fact that we are spoiled by the level of play because these are the the top 20 teams in the world. I talked to Coach Gifford from Nevada, and he told me the first time he walked in the ballpark the other day, he literally started to cry. And, of course, he's got his son on his team. And I said, what's that like? And he said, I have cried more times in the last week than I've ever cried in my entire life. That's how emotional this and by the way and all his son has done is hit two home runs here nobody else has two home runs so he gets to sit there at third base and slap his son on the hand as he runs by after hitting two home runs at at a at an event that they have been looking at probably since he was i don't know what do you think three or four years old and now we're actually here and he may be the best player here he's certainly one of them and we're winning like yeah that that's dream come true and i think a lot of ways that's what tied you know, Harper's emotion yesterday in the booth. Um, the, the, these are, you know, the, the glory days for kids and for parents who raise children. Having Jeffrey there, you know, for you and having, I've had all of our kids have come to the Little League World Series. Like we, we experienced what these coaches and these kids are experiencing on a much smaller level. But there is, you know, not to romanticize it or get too sappy, but there is something about, fathers and sons or fathers and daughters and mothers and sons and playing the game of baseball. It's, it's simple, it's innocent. And here you get to see, you know, goofiness and smiles and whether you're physically playing or you're just kind of thinking about times that you watch these games with your mom or dad or grandfather, uh, it, it does get emotional. It, it, it gets sappy for a reason because it is. And that, um, that's why I'm sure Mr. Gifford was crying or has cried several times because at some point they graduate, these kids. They're not 12 anymore. And, uh, and, and the Little League experience and playing catch, it, it goes away. Right. <laughs> Coach Gifford was a good high school baseball player. And I said, so your son, Nolan, is going to be better than you someday. He goes, he's better than me right now. <laughs> I was never this good. I could never throw 75 or hit it where he hits it. So that's so good. Okay, Ravi, you have a pickleball game upcoming. Is that right? You're going out to play pickleball right now? Yeah, with a bunch of people. The great Christina, my wife's here. Tyler's here, our son. We have Jesse Mendoza's going to go play. Foudy's going to play. And there's a whole bunch of people from Williamsport, Tim, that we met um, really last year. And uh, I went over there the other day just to kind of see them. And there were a lot of familiar faces. You know, another part of the beauty of this uh, event for us is you, you've been here so many times. Now you get to be um, familiar with not only the people in the community, but the places to go in the community, let alone restaurants, et cetera. We now know where the courts are. There's a whole group from ESPN that are going to go over there. But, yeah, it's it's really nice um, to feel like you can come here and be very, very comfortable. And that's another 
another beautiful part of the complex over there is you, you can't help but feel comfortable with the Little League World Series. Williamsport does a really, really great job with this event. So, yep, that's the plan. We'll pick a ball today and two more games today. Okay, well, hit them well, and I'll see you at 3 o'clock. We're doing the Tennessee-Washington game. Can't wait. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ravi. I'll see you a little later. No, I look forward to it. Bye-bye. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. And I am so pleased to be joined by Sarah Langs, my dear friend, reporter, producer for Major League Baseball. I've told this story before, but we were at a big ESPN meeting years and years ago, and this little bitty girl came up to me and said, Tim, I'm Sarah Langs. I'm going to be working on baseball tonight someday. And a couple of years later, she made it, and now she is an enormous star in the baseball industry and i'm so happy that she's on with us today sarah good morning to you how are you i am wonderful timmy thank you for having me and this is so great two weeks in a row i get to start my week by chatting with you talking (laughs) baseball with you this is amazing i love it okay well of course for me the story of the weekend was the Mariners and Julio Rodriguez. So I think, Sarah, that's where we need to start the three numbers from Sarah. Take it away. Number three. Number three, the 18. I agree with you 100%. Julio was the story of the weekend, whether we stop on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So 18 is for the number of hits that he has in the last five games. That is tied for the second most in a five-game span since 1900, behind only Jimmy Johnson in 1923, who had 19. But yesterday, maybe, if we could possibly say, was the least impressive of the days, because Julio had one hit, the Mariners still won. They had the sweep in Houston, even with Emerson Hancock getting injured. Really, really impressive. So we're going to do another number within the A-team, which has to be four, because prior to Sunday, Julio had four straight four-hit games. That tied 1925 milk stock for the most consecutive four-hit games we've ever seen. And he had 17 hits in those four games, which was the most in a four-game span since at least 1900. It was just this incredible stretch going back to that Kansas City series where every time he came up, you just assumed he was getting hit, and then he did it. Number two. Number two is four. Four uh, Taylor's Gunner Henderson. I love when there's an Orioles number. And now it's so common because they're so good, but I still love it for that reason. So Gunner Henderson yesterday on Sunday ends up with four extra base hits. I've established I'm not the biggest fan of cycles. I think they're kind of contrived. I would rather have four extra base hits. So Gunner, a man after my own heart, not stopping at first base, going to second on that double, 
for his fourth hen. And 22 years and 52 days old, he was the youngest Oriole or Brown in franchise history with four extra base hits in the game. Prior youngest was a 23-year-old Cal Ripken Jr. in 1983, but he was also the 12th youngest since 1901 with four extra base hits in the game. The last guy this young to do this was of course, Miguel Cabrera back in 2005. But you look at the list, only 11 guys younger, including, of course, Miggy twice. Pretty impressive from Ghana. Number one. Number one is 11. So over the weekend, we had that really fun game where Mookie Betts hit his 11th leadoff home run. That's already the most in a season in Dodgers franchise history. And it is just too shy of the overall record, which is 13 by Alfonso Soriano in 2003. And the 11th, though, is the most branding player before September in a single season. So he is on right now a better pace than Soriano or anyone else who ended up with 12, the second most in a single season. And then he also had the game over the weekend with two home runs out of the leadoff spot and a hat tip from LeBron James. Really, really fun moments. All right, Sarah, That those were great, great numbers. I wanted to throw another number at you is Luis Urias of the Red Sox. He, yes. hit, he hit a grand slam in back-to-back games. He had never hit a grand slam in 421 major league games, and then he hit him in back-to-back games. The only other Red Sox ever to do that was Jimmy Fox in 1940. So, Sarah, when you see something like that, does it just dazzles you, doesn't it, when a guy who's never done this before does it two days in a row? A hundred percent. I mean, that's why we both love this game so much. And, I mean, no offense to Luis Urias, but I love when we get to put someone like Luis Urias, who has been around is now on another team for the season, is finding his way. We get to put him on the list with Jimmy Fox. I mean, that is no small feat. And think about 10 years from now, when someone else, or 20 years from now, whenever it is, when one of the little leaguers who you're in willing for watching does this further at talks, and we get to put him on with with Luis Arias and Jimmy Fox. I just love that we get to put whoever it may be. There is no other sport where you have a feat accomplished by two players like that. Yeah, and I love Grand Slams, as I've made clear. So Derek Jeter hit one Grand Slam in his career. Pete Rose hit one Grand Slam in his career. This guy's played forever. Uh, Madison Bumgarner has two Grand Slams in his career, so he has as many Grand Slams as Pete Rose and Derek Jeter combined. Don Mattingly hit six Grand Slams in one season, and they were the only Grand Slams that he ever hit in his career. He hit them all in one season. And, of course, Frank Robinson, who played six, seven years with the Orioles, hit two Grand Slams in his Orioles career, and they both came in the same game. Think about that. It's unbelievable. That's just incredible. And you just rattle all of that off. That is why you're the best. I love that so much. But... It's just so funny, and I'm so happy for the Red Sox for that moment. So happy for Luis Urias for that moment. And, I mean, nothing cooler than hitting a grand slam. I mean, walk-offs, what have you. But for a middle of the game, no change to directly who wins. In that exact second, I'll take a grand slam anytime. Okay. So, Sarah, we had another number yesterday. Max Scherzer passed Phil Necro, very underrated pitcher in baseball history, Phil Necro, on the all-time strikeout list. What did you make of Scherzer passing Necro and where Scherzer is still headed? I mean, I love when a guy like him 
continues to remind us everything he's accomplished. We look in Max Scherzer, we know we always say Hall of Famer. That is always the conversation around him. But I love when guys move up these lists and remind us right in the face that they are absolutely among the greatest we've ever seen. I think he's one of those pitchers where if you ask the average fan, they say, yeah, I mean, he has a lot of strikeouts, but for him to now be top 11, he's headed up now. I mean, I know Walter Johnson, your guy, <laughs> has 3,515. So there's a bit of a ways to go as he continues to make his way up, but it's just really impressive. And I enjoy these counting stats because they're a reminder of how long a guy has been this good. You know, Max Scherzer debuted in 2008. He wins that for Cy Young in 2013. So I think we can say that for at least 10 years in a row, he's been incredibly dominant. And that is really, really cool to see. So any accomplishment just really puts a cap on that in a great way. Right. We had another round number this week, Sarah. Jose Altuve got hit number 2,000. He's 33 years old. Where do you think he's going to end up in his career? I mean, I really think if he plays long enough, he's going to get into 3,000, which is really, really exciting. I mean, I think he's certainly the guy with a chance to do it. It just depends on injuries. We know how the sort of ends of a career can go, but I love to see him celebrated. And it was really exciting just to see the moment. And by the way, he was thrown out a second and something I remember very distinctly. I remember when Craig Biggio got his 3,000 hit, he was yeah. also thrown out a second. That <laughs> I know I was a kid. I remember watching that on TV, probably watching baseball name. I'm watching the recap of that, and nobody said it that I heard, but it was the first thing I thought of was we have a little Houston tradition brewing. <laughs> that happening on these, uh, you know, milestone hits. Uh, it's so good. All right, Sarah, I'm, we're going to have to finish on something mildly negative here, but you're great at this. The Yankees have lost eight games in a row, first time since 1995. And now I think they're in danger of finishing under 500 this year with the way that they're playing. How do you explain how the Yankees are playing this poorly when most of us, if not all of us, thought at the beginning of the year that they were going to be really good? I mean, I do think there's an element of this that is almost not their fault in them. They happen to have their down year in a year where their division is on pace to be the greatest division we've ever seen. And with this new schedule and the way teams are able to, especially LA teams, really clean up outside their division, they're playing teams that are so, so good on the whole. If not for the Yankees, and it kind of hinges on them, it may be the first division where everybody finishes about 500. And even if it isn't, it's going to set a record for the best winning presented. So not to distract all of the blame, but I do think it's worth noting then in another year with a different schedule, they might not be exactly where they are now. But I mean, you know, when we saw this over the weekend, there was a moment when Ben Warbed was the guy up to the plate in a key ninth inning situation in a close game. And just unfortunately for them, that lineup isn't going deep enough. And I feel so badly for Judge and Garrett Cole. I feel like there's so much pressure on the two of them to each be the Superman who is just carrying the entire team. But unfortunately, the pitching has had injuries and struggles. And even with the Cy Young season, one pitcher is not quite enough. And similarly, I mean, Aaron Judge is playing injured. He's been good since he got back, but he's the only one guy. So, you know, I hate to see any team not live up to expectations. And unfortunately, 
there's a handful of those this year, but it's certainly, I mean, whenever you're seeing things happen to a historic franchise that has not happened since August 1995, I mean, I was two years old. I mean, <laughs> the Yankees have not finished below 500 in my lifetime. And whenever I see these things happening, I mean, the other side is it is such a testament to what this franchise has been for so long. Amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. The incomparable Sarah Langs filling us up with knowledge, with numbers, and with great information. Thank you, Sarah. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Timmy. Enjoy the little league. I love everything you guys are doing from there, and I love Williams for it. Well, I appreciate it. See you soon. Over the weekend, our Roxy Bernstein interviewed Trey Turner, shortstop for the Phillies. Here's Roxy. Beautiful night for baseball in Williamsport with Trey Turner, the Phillies. And first off, what's today been like for you? Oh, it's been crazy. It's been a different morning. You know, the schedule's different for us. Used to, you know, come from the hotel, but we had a flight this morning and got in and watched some watch some games, but it's been uh, it's been awesome. It's kind of a, you know, a dream of mine. I've always wanted to come here as a kid. Uh, I got stopped short a few times, and now I get a chance to experience it. I think it's really cool, and, uh, you know, it's been uh, something I'll never forget. Uh, any memorable conversations or questions some of the kids asked you today? I think just uh, interacting with them, uh, shaking their hands when they come on the field, and just the excitement, uh, seeing some of their guys. I know we saw North Dakota and Schramm's from North Dakota, and then we got some Vegas guys, and some Vegas teams and then uh, the Philly team and uh, you know obviously we're in Philly as well so just kind of those connections you make through the game of baseball I think it's pretty cool and it's been fun seeing these guys and talk to them. The atmosphere here Trey you look around the kids are sitting right behind here in the front row is it just a little bit are you taking this in a little bit surreal to see this environment? Yeah it's uh, I mean I've watched this on TV for a number of years now I watched it you know, before this major league game was here, I watched it when I was growing up and stuff. So, um, like I said, it's always something I've, I've seen from the outside and now being a part of it is pretty special. And uh, I know the uh, the game this morning was pretty electric and I think uh, tonight's going to be a lot of the same too. So we're trying to put on a show for these guys and, you know, show them uh, one day they can be here too. You know, what can these type of environments spark for you as like, you know, you remember what it's like. I mean, sometimes you reset around these things and you're playing some of your best baseball the last few weeks. But how has that been able to connect some of these reminders? Yeah, I think it's it's refreshing uh, having these experiences and uh, reminding how lucky we are to be in the big leagues and we get spoiled and, um, you know, the food's perfect and the travel's perfect and everything's perfect. And to come come back to, you know, a stadium like this and just play baseball and, and roll the ball balls and bats out there and uh, just kind of back backyard baseball, I think, is how I feel. And I think that's, you know, where a lot of us uh, fell in love with the game and it's a reminder for that as well. For you personally, you've been playing well recently. What's been the key for you to get locked back in and return to what you expect from yourself? Yeah, it's a lot of things. I think, um, you know, the fans in Philly helped me out and get on a roll and then, uh, you know, change up my routine a little bit and the approach of the plate kind of came back and feel like I can make adjustments again and compete and, and do some things that I'd, I'd lost for a little while. So it's a lot of things. I think, um, you know, you can say this or that, but just as a whole, I think everything's made a difference in the last two, three weeks and, you know, kind of start with the fans and then uh, help me get on a roll individually and, and uh, kind of get back to where I'm used to playing. Well, you mentioned the fans and I always think of that brotherly love. You know, I went to college in Philadelphia. So, I mean, what was that like to help everybody see the Phillies fans, the sort of other side, I guess, that, that they have this kind of love. Yeah, uh, it's a great fan base, man, and it's, uh, it's a fan base that wants you to win, and uh, it's kind of weird because, you know, you're playing bad and then everyone's cheering for you. It's kind of a weird concept, but, um, you know, they'll do anything to, to have their players play well for them and, and to, you know, get those championships that they desire, and uh, it's been, it was neat, and, um, you know, it's something I always appreciate for them doing. I, I never forget that. My family won't forget it, and, and uh, you know, hopefully that leads us to, you know, those championship goals just like, you know, we want, they want them as well. Trey, enjoy tonight. Appreciate the time. Yep, thank you, guys. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Timmy. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. And I was watching, I was up late on Friday and Saturday watching the Orioles take care of business against the A's. Very gratifying to watch that go down. I, I'm Their offense, I, I feel like, sort of unimpeachable at this point. They're undoing. Likely going to be the starting pitching or the bullpen 
If I had to pick one of them that's going to, you know, really derail things in October, I think I'd lean the bullpen at this point. Which way would you go? Or do you think they're, you know, on express train to the World Series? Um, I'm not sure they're going to the World Series, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a part of their team that is a glaring weakness. Uh, they upgraded their rotation at the trade deadline. Their bullpen has been tremendous all year, but it's gotten an awful lot, lot of work, and maybe it's going to wear down. But I, I think the Orioles are going to enter October as the AL East winner, and I think they're going to be they're going to be fine. I'm not suggesting they're going to or winning the World Series, but I don't think they're going to get to October, and we're going to go. Oh boy, they're in trouble. That rotation's not going to make it. That bullpen's not going to make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're going to be good going into October and uh, be a very dangerous team. Ugh, I get so nervous talking about it. <laughs> like, I can feel it in my stomach. I mean, they, you know, if they line up against the Astros, like, you know, they they lost that series a couple weeks ago on a knife's edge, and then they beat the Mariners on a knife's edge. Like, they're good. I don't know how confident I'm feeling, even just getting out of the first round. Well, this is why I'm not a fan, Taylor. I have to look at this <laughs> stuff objectively so I don't get that feeling in the pit of my stomach that you get. Ugh. All right, let's go to the tweets. Noah at NR Castrol writes, and I know we say that the Yankees go as Aaron Judge goes, but can we say the same thing about Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners? Dude is on a tear. It's it's a historic tear. He had 17 hits in a four-game span. He went 17 for 22. I say every night, Taylor, how does anyone get a hit in the big leagues today? (laughs) The pitching is so good. And this guy just got 17 hits in four games. No one in the history of the sport has ever done that. And yes, the Mariners go as Julio Rodriguez goes. They are rolling uh, in the second half. They've been especially hot in the month of August. And it's all because the big boy has really turned it up. Their pitching is good. Their starting pitching is really good. And this is when they made their push last year, when they made the playoffs for the first time since 20, I mean, 2001. But yes, Julio Rodriguez is right in the middle of it. And man, is he an impressive kid. Chuck Norsource Rex writes in, what a week for the Mariners and Julio Rodriguez. Can you give some insight or context into how big this series sweep is mentally for a team that has been beat so much by the Astros over the last six or seven years? Yeah, I really think it matters because the Astros have been the team to beat in that division, if not the entire American League for close to eight years. And when the Mariners, who have had trouble making the playoffs other than last year and have been knocked around by the Astros before, they go in and sweep the Astros. That is a really impressive thing. Now I think young guys on that Mariner team say, look, we can beat anyone now because we just swept the Astros. And I believe the Astros had a team meeting. When you can make a team that has been, been to the World Series so many times, won it last year, and now they're holding a team meeting after you swept them. I think that's pretty important. That's a statement. Our pal P.K. Steinberg writes in, should teams think about a six-man rotation purely to allow starting pitchers to learn to stretch out again and go longer in games, or does analytics and third time through the order just ruin the idea of an old-school starting pitcher? Yeah, again, I understand what we're trying to do with analytics here, and I understand we need to keep our pitchers healthy. It just it just seems like a paradox to me that the more we try to protect them, the more they, they get in- injured. Um, six-man rotation would help things, but third time around in the order can be a real thing. Of course, I think we overdo it certain times. Look, Taylor, I'm 66 years old. I grew up at a time where... You know, you completed what you started if you were a really good starting pitcher. I think we need to return the value of the starting pitcher to the game today. But the the other numbers, the metrics suggest that's not a good idea. I think it I think it's worth trying a little harder to get our our pitchers to go a little longer. But uh, it's going to take a little while for me to win that argument. Let's go to uh, Justin Simmons at Justin Lance Sim one. I finally figured out why I feel so uneasy about this Braves team. They remind me so much of the 95 Indians. Is that a fair comparison? Dominant offense, but a little thin in the rotation. I feel like I've seen this movie before. 
Well, that 95 Indians team was a devastating offensive team. Um, but I would slightly, I mean, I see what, what he's getting at here, but I saw that 95 Indians team and the Braves pitching is better than the 95 Indians pitching. There is no doubt about that. When we have Spencer Strider and now you've got Max Freed back, you're going to get Kyle Wright back and your bullpen is pretty deep. Um, I love what he's talking about here because the Braves just mash just like the Indians did in 95. But uh, to repeat, the Braves starting pitching especially is significantly better than the Indians pitching was in 95. Danny Hess at Danny Hey, bunch of numbers. He writes in, which event do you think does more to help grow the game of baseball internationally? The Little League World Series or the World Baseball Classic? Seeing both events this year happened. Uh, they both happened this year. All right. Well, that's not fair because it's an absolute tie. The WBC this year was stunningly good. I saw a bunch of those games. I was completely taken with the crowds and people dancing in the streets after games. It was, it was absolutely breathtaking to watch the WBC, but I'm here in Williamsport right now. And I can tell you when you see Chinese Taipei play and you, I walked down, you know, past the backstops and through the dugouts and everything last night, and there's, you know, team Panama sitting right there, sitting next to Chinese Taipei and next to them is Mexico. And next to them is you know, Nolensville, Tennessee. It's just beautiful that we're developing these kids and the love of baseball at such a young age. So I'm going to say Williamsport, since I'm here, is even more important than the WBC because we're getting kids at a really young age interested in baseball. This is where international interest in the game starts right here with all these teams. And we have a team from Cuba here. This is unbelievable. It took seven years to figure out how to get Cuba here. It's a wonderful, wonderful story developing here. Yes. All right, Tim. That's why you're the best. couple University of Maryland guys here. Love that. Go Terps. Go Terps, baby. All right. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. Buster will be back, I guess, from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, about 7 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. I know me and Sarah Abbott are looking forward to that. So thanks for filling in, Tim. Thank you for today. Thanks to my guest today, Carl Ravitch, the voice of Little League Baseball, and my dear friend Sarah Langs, whose knowledge of baseball is continues to dazzle me. Um, I've got a baseball game today, three o'clock in the afternoon, little league world series. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love to do these games from Williamsport. So enjoy the little league and the big leagues today.